Welcome to another episode of Reverse Ambition, a podcast that features those who follow, take a leap of faith to follow their dreams, passion, and purpose. My name is Kelsey Cooper, aka the social broker, aka Mr. Black Family Man. And today's guest is literally family, uh, as well as an amazing entrepreneur, as well as an amazing mother. I want to touch on all that, uh, all those subject matters. But let me, before we get started, let me give you a little bit of our background. In 2012, she opened High Texture Salon in Lawrenceville, Georgia, after noticing a gap in the market that caters towards textured hair. Her vision was to create a saloon environment that was chic and professional, as well as educate men and women on how to manage their textured hair. High Texture has won multiple industry awards, as well as been selected as top 200 saloon by saloon today magazine for four consecutive years she traveled across the country mentoring other beauty professionals to elevate and to change many of the misconceptions about the beauty industry in 2020 she also created teen texture camp to introduce teens to careers in the industry and build confidence and positive self self-image Ladies and gentlemen, welcome my family, Miss India Burton. What's up, girl? How are you? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Man, I made it through that introduction, man. <laughs> That's the hardest part of this <laughs> this podcast, the intro. I don't want to, you know, trip over my words. Well, thank you for being on today's episode of Reverse Ambition. I'm excited to to have a, a, this conversation with you because not only I want to touch on you the individual, I want to touch on you being a family woman and also an amazing entrepreneur. So um, my first question usually is, walk me through your journey in terms of where you're from, where you grew up, where you went to school, and then we're going to have the conversation to how you got to where you are today. Works? Okay. Sounds good to me. Well, um, well, originally I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Um, and I moved, actually, I moved down south probably um, in like the late 80s. And, what age uh, were you when you moved down south? I think I was around 12. Okay. Somewhere around there, um, 11 or 12, I believe. And um, so when I moved down south, of course, I was just always that person that was different from everyone else. I moved to a small town called Shiraz, South Carolina. And um, I was a little different from everyone else. I, um, of course, being from New York, I love fashion. I've always loved hair. And I was that person that by the time I was a teenager, I was um, working in a salon. I was, uh, <laughs> I had my own little clientele. I would do people hair. <laughs> oh, <word>? okay. <laughs> yeah. And so I always had that um, love for the beauty industry inside of me. But of course, you know how parents are when I was younger, just re rewinding back to New York. I was visiting New York one summer and I, <laughs> I, my dad took me to Coney Island, my dad and my uncle, we were going to Nathan's to get some hot dogs. And so my uncle, he was excited to see me. I was excited to see him. And he's like, yeah, what you want to be when you grow up? And here I go. Oh, I want to be a hairdresser. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> can you could imagine Bob Dukes was not having it huh listen we that almost ruined the whole trip I thought he was gonna <laughs> turn around and take me back because <laughs> he said 
oh, absolutely not. You're going to college, this, that, and the other. So you know how that conversation went. So it kind of scared me away from just realizing, you know, the potential uh, in this industry. I always looked at it as a hobby and not necessarily mm. a career. So just like many of us, we then go on to college and we look for things that are more, that is going to provide you with stability. And so that was mm-hmm. the mindset is that, um, okay, I have to go in a career that, um, that will provide me with stability. So um, just to fast forward through that after graduating and going What did to college, you choose? What career did you choose? I, I, I was one of those confused people. So I, choose, <laughs> I chose multiple careers. I, at, first, <laughs> at first I started in um, computer science. And so um, I just knew I wanted to be a computer programmer. It was the early 90s. You know how that was. Everybody wanted to be. That was a dot-com mm-hmm. So that's where the money was at. So I was that person that was chasing the money, chasing stability. So I started out um, in computer science. And it was at that point where I remember going to, I don't know, it was like my first, um, I forgot the name of the class. But anyway, I know that we we walked in and there were some PCUs. You remember the PCUs, how they, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, CPUs, I'm doing PC, CPUs. Um, and they were about that high. So they were sitting on the desk. And so I walked in, you know, my little self and mostly in the class where it was traditionally just mostly guys. And here I go sitting there and the uh, instructor came in and he said, yeah, tonight we are going to take these apart and put them back together. <laughs> oh, wow. And I knew at that point that was not the career for me. <laughs> so I sat there <laughs> looking totally confused, lost. And so a few people tried to help me, but yes, I know it's not for me. So I think the next day or next couple of days, I marched right into the office and changed my, my major. It was not going to oh, wow. And so um, I dropped that class. And so the next year I went, I decided to go into um, get serious about business. So I changed my major to business and that's where I, that's, that was it. You know, business was the major. And so um, after graduating college, I, um, well, actually before I graduated college, I moved to Atlanta. And so that's where I continued my education. And I ended up graduating from DeVry. And um, after that, I went into marketing. After that, I went into insurance. And that's oh, where wow. I landed. Um, you know, You're still the- chasing the money? At that point, I was not chasing the money any longer. I was chasing balance. And Mm. I did not realize it at the time that I was chasing balance, but I was. And so by that point... What kind of balance? What do you mean by balance? What what do you mean by that? Well, by this point, I had children and I was married. And I knew that I... And I had been in sales and marketing prior. And if you know know a little bit about sales and marketing, it takes you all over. It takes you... (laughs) It's, it's not a nine to five. It's not sitting behind the desk. You're in different locations. Your, your work extends into your family time because you may mm-hmm. have business meetings, business dinners, etc. So after doing that for a while, and I realized like, wait a minute, I need more balance in my life to be able to be home. I needed a career where once I left here, my work stopped. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, we always think the grass right, is right. on the other side. So 
I was looking for a job that was going to provide me with more stability that, you know, once I get off, I can be home with my family. Well, um, it, it didn't quite go that way, but I did love insurance. <laughs> but trust me, once I got into insurance, I, that laptop followed me home in the evening mm-hmm. as well. So it was the same thing. So the same idea. And um, unfortunately, at this time, I had to leave my career. And that's probably where you got into <laughs> the unorthodox way of how I raised Why my did children. you have to leave your career? I had to leave my career in insurance to homeschool my son. My um, oh, well, my oldest son, he was anaphylaxis to peanuts. And we knew he had a peanut allergy. And that was part of the reason. Um, and I didn't really get into this, but I stayed home his first four years of um, his life because he was allergic to peanuts. And so by the time he got to school, I said, okay, you know, there's thousands of kids who have peanut allergies. So I'm sure the school system can handle this, that I'm overreacting. I could put my son to school and I can go back into my career. And um, so I I tried that for three weeks and three three, weeks, (laughs) three weeks into school. I get this phone call and um, they had advised me that my son had came into contact with peanuts. And so mm. I went through that whole process and, you know, let them, I found out that they were sitting my son beside a child who had, who was eating peanuts every day at lunch. Mm. And so their only solution to that really in the school system was, okay, well, we can put him at a separate table. <laughs> and as you know, you know, that's not a great solution for someone who's in first grade, you know, to separate them from their class, because now they're, you know, it's going to cause that social anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. he's gonna be labeled as that child who has to sit at the, right. this special table by himself because he can't eat around other kids. So I didn't want that. And however, I did want to educate the the students and the teachers on, you know, his differences. And so we went through that whole process. Well, unfortunately, about, I don't even think it was five, six months. That was September, March. He had came into contact with um, peanuts again at the school. And so it was that moment that I realized that, okay, you know, it's great to have a career. I know, you know, I wow. really my career, but I wanted my child more. And I know mm. this, I knew the severity of his peanut allergy. So um, I just, I never took him back to school at that point. And so the next day I called, I had a sister-in-law in South, I'm not in California, who always homeschooled her children. And by that point they were in um, high school. So I gave her a call and I said, Denise, I withdrew. TJ from school this morning. I have no idea what to do. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of just led me in the right direction. And it was just, you know, I'm not going to touch too much about it, but it was just a hilarious story because you know how we we're taught in school and you sit there, you open your books and you say, okay, I need to do this, that, and the other. And um, so I was sitting there and I, you know, teaching him the traditional way that I learned and um, it wasn't working. So literally my husband would leave in the morning and come back at five o'clock in the afternoon. And I would still be sitting in the same spot just with my mind blown. Wow. Can't move. (laughs) Asking myself, 
what am I doing? And um, so that that lasted for about a year. Some days he come a home. Year? Have, yeah. <laughs> some days he come home. I'm sitting there with a glass of wine in the same spot. School <laughs> been over two hours ago, but I can't move. Wow. Yeah. And so it was a challenge, um, but it gave me a, an appreciation for educators. I mean, a serious appreciation for educators. And I think that at some point I wrote a status on my Facebook, just thanking educators for their sacrifice because I only had two that I was homeschooling and they were mine. (laughs) So you not only homeschool your son, you decide to homeschool all your kids. Absolutely. So um, my three younger kids I've homeschooled. So my son, I homeschooled him all the way. And now my I have a senior now, and so she is doing dual enrollment at this point, and she's homeschooled all the way through. And now I have a little one, and so from right now, birth until high school. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Um, I have to say, um, it's it's a lot of parents ask me how do I do it or how I did it, and. Um, I tell them, I, it, you just, it's just something that you do. And you, it's something that eventually becomes the norm. And that fear, because I had it, that fear, what if they fail? What if they're not learning what they need? You know, the social component of it. I right. had all of those fears as well. And looking back and, and looking at them now, I, I, I still i am very thankful that I and did it. Are- you know, very beautiful kids, well mannered. Thank you. Um, Giselle, I don't know about the <laughs> oh, he's still he's still trying to figure itself out. He's still on a tear, 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 trying to come into himself. Um, but Giselle, I, 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 you know, TJ, you're older, and then Giselle. I mean, she's such a sweetheart. She's such a creative spirit, and you know, you could tell she oozes intelligence. And, and confidence thank you. thank you so you know kudos to you for figuring it out you know it took here took you a year a whole entire year of just sitting there you know figuring it out and I did and um but you know inside I was incomplete you know wow. I was I had that fulfillment of watching my children progress but I was missing my career mm. And um, during one of those sessions, you were getting, you were being bored. You were getting bored at home, huh? Absolutely. I, I had been there previously for years. And so I, I, you know, after a year or so of sitting there, of course, you you have a, a mix of emotions. You know, you have that emotions of, you know, I, 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 what about me? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you start to feel guilty because you feel selfish because you're like, well, part of this is you, you know, you are right. doing what you need to do for your family and for your children. But, you know, what about yourself? What about my career? So it was mm-hmm. a level of that and attached to it and to be completely transparent. And so uh, thankfully, I just have a, <laughs> you know, I can't talk about my husband enough. I just have an amazing supporting support it supportive husband because I almost uh, teared up a little bit when I said that because he would come home and he would see me just sitting there just still like mm-hmm. I, was I, it like I, were you like depressed or, or no I think it was 
an element of depression there because I was missing a part of me that I had just started again. You know, I, I felt that I had sacrificed those four years to raise my children. And but here I am back. And I what do I do? How do I feel fulfilled? You know, of course, I have this joy of being able and to teach my children and this blessing. But how do I feel inside for myself mm-hmm. what about me and so it, it was crazy I was sitting there one day and I read this passage somewhere it could have been on social I don't know Facebook or somewhere and it just said that the um, most successful people are the ones who follow their passion wow so uh, it just that stayed with me mm. and then I started to think, okay, now what can I do? How can I follow my passion? First of all, what am I passionate about? First of all, mm-hmm. and that brought me back to here because I, previous to all of this, I had a blog. I was still trying to blog about hair, natural hair and all of that. And then, so it brought me back to, well, this is my passion right here. Mm. So how can I take this, still be able to homeschool my children as well as have a career. And so that gave me the idea of high texture. And so, like I said, my husband is so supportive. So I, he came home one day and I'm like, I know what I want to do. <laughs> I got it. Wow. And so um, I told him about the salon and I said, Oh yeah, it's only going to cost me $10,000. So I said, I just need, I just need $10,000 um, for you to, you know, we going to do this invest. And so he agreed crazy. <laughs> he agreed, and here we. I mean, were. other people will just like go get a job in a in a salon, as you know, doing here. You decided like open up your own salon. What what was that inspiration that said I I just want to open up my own salon as opposed to working in a salon? Well, I need. I knew I needed flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. I knew that I needed to be at my children's beck and call, so. I knew that going to work for someone else would be unfair to them because of what I needed. So mm. I knew I, I needed flexibility in my schedule. And so when I started researching salon ownership and I said, okay, well, it's, it's one of those businesses <laughs> that's going to be very hands off. <laughs> <laughs> what made you think that? you know, it's going to be passive income. I'm not, I don't even have to be there. I'm just going to open it up, (laughs) rent a few chairs out. And, you know, I'm not trying, I wasn't trying to get rich. Ignorance is bliss, baby. Ignorance is bliss. Let me tell you, listen, (laughs) I think all entrepreneurs need a level of ignorance because believe me, if you are a person that, um, that is a solution um, filled person, you are going to find the solution to it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So for me, I honestly thought that is what it was going to be. I was going to open up the salon. I was going to fill the chairs with some renters and, and I was going to make income, you know, just a little bit to bring into the house. That's how you convince your husband too, huh? <laughs> That's exactly how I convinced him. And he fell for it. And let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like that ever happened from day one. I've been in there and I've had the joy of flexibility, but at the same time, it's been, I've been in there um, on a regular basis. And uh, so walk me through the process of opening up a salon. What did you do? You did your research um, in terms of 
salon ownership. What else did you do to get to that point where you officially hope open up high texture? Well, um, yeah, that was a a road. Um, It was a a road. (laughs) Uh, One of the first things I did, I had the pleasure of going to a birthday party for one of my um, former co-workers who worked with me at the insurance company. And at this dinner, we were at a table and it was 13 women from all over um, Atlanta, different areas of Atlanta. These were some of her um, former co-workers, you know, people from our church and some of her friends. And so at that dinner, I just kind of, you know, threw out the idea, just pitched it a little bit to see what their reaction would be. And so I said, yeah, you know, I told them a little bit about what I was experiencing. And I said, yeah, I'm thinking about opening up a a natural hair salon. I said, because for one, there's not a lot of natural hair salons. And of the few that, that are out there, you know, I, I wanted to create something that was a little different. I wanted something that um, made women feel luxurious when they come through the door. Mm. And um, I know from my experience, I have been to a few natural hair salons. So I've been n- not even natural hair salons, but salon, um, stylists who had service natural hair. And for me, going into a salon like that, I felt out of place. And I can even tell you one time someone broke a comb off in my hair and that became a laughing matter in the salon and everyone was laughing, but inside I was tearing up Mm. and I never wanted that experience to happen to a woman, you know? So that is kind of what made me start to think, okay, well, I want to create an environment where women with natural hair can go in and they feel this is for them and they feel, and we are knowledgeable. We can show them how to take care of their hair at home just to help them build a healthy relationship with their own natural texture. So, so you have a natural hair inspired to go open up the salon, focus on strictly natural hair. Is that right? That was the goal. And so when I threw the idea out at the women, I I didn't know what they were going to say. Let me tell you, they were fighting over which area I should (laughs) open it. They were like, no, you should open it. And and, and Marietta, you should open it in Stone Mountain. And I said, well, I was thinking about Gwinnett. It was like, definitely Gwinnett. I said, oh, okay. There was my validation. And so that just started the process. That was my validation at that moment, because everyone at that table was so excited when I just threw the idea. I mean, I had just been thinking about it at that point. I really wasn't seriously doing anything at that point, but just, you know, dreaming about it. And um, so from that point, like I said, I convinced my husband and it was, you know, it was a rocky road getting started because as you know when you are going into well I had to do a build out and I think that was the rockiest part of it I didn't go into a second generation salon so I had to do an entire build out so not only find a a raw space and design it to your based on your vision yeah I don't know if I would advise a first-time entrepreneur to do that but it did give me a lot of knowledge um, that I can use and I will use and I have used, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it was, that was the beginning of it. And, um, so like I said, just, you have to learn different, you have to wear many hats as an entrepreneur. And so when I what said, hats did you wear at that point? Oh my goodness. I was the name of you <laughs> <laughs> <a> general contractor. <laughs> 
Wow. Was the architect. <laughs> wow. Um, plumber. <laughs> and wow. then um, I also had to, of course, you know, do my marketing plan, my business plan. I had to be a, at times you have to be a bookkeeper. And um, that was just to start off, you know, because I had to, I was a project manager because I was, you know, budgeting the $10,000 project that turned into five times that. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, it was not $10,000. And this is, this is just to open up. That was just to get the doors open. And so it was a lot of frustrating points during that build-out process. A lot of lessons we learned. And uh, one of the biggest lessons that I would tell someone is to not, when you are doing any business, just be careful to make sure that you're working with reputable individuals and not someone who knows somebody who knows somebody who mm. can do it for cost you more down the road. If you absolutely cost mm. some, some things I had to pay twice because it mm. wasn't done properly the first time. And so that, but you know, as much as that hurt me at that time, I needed that because mm. it gave me a very valuable lesson on how not to run my business. And I, when I look back now, in terms of cutting corners and oh, looking yeah. for hookups and, and so forth. Don't even waste your time because you don't want to operate your business that way. Mm. And so that taught me not to go that route, you know, don't even go that route with anything. And so I think that has been, probably a, a, a big chunk of the success that I've had is that I try not to cut corners and I try to do things the right way. So I don't have to do it again, because mm -hmm. sometimes when you cut corners, it will come back to bite you. Mm -hmm. Very so you saying that, uh, you know, it's not only 10,000, it took you 50,000 to open, you know, to, to, to open up. How did your husband react? as these bills started adding up and increasing, you know, you know, did he, was he like upset? Was he supportive? Did he understand the journey? How did he react? Oh, he absolutely understood the journey and he was in, I mean, we both were in and out every, every other day. We were like, why well, we do this? And the next day we were like, yeah, we got this vision. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so he was just as excited. Mm -hmm. um, okay. frustrated at times at like I was because for example you know when like I said when I talk about the current cutting corners for example I know somebody who said oh well he was a he had a successful businesses and so I, I reached out to him and I said oh who did your your um blueprint because I need I need an architect and I um you know, I, I reached out to a couple of people and they were telling me $6,000 just to draw up some plans, you know, <laughs> tell me it's right. not that much. And um, he was like, oh, no, I got somebody to do it for you for 900 What? <laughs> right. Hook me up. So he hooked me up. All right. And I ended up, yeah, getting paying that twice. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Because yeah. I took it down to the. The code office, and they just said, "No, ma'am, no, ma'am, this, this is not gonna work." This is garbage. Yeah, did you do this in your house? <laughs> you, you got your money's house? worth, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was a lot of challenges in the build out, but but you know, we both stuck in there. It took us about six months, which actually was not too bad when you really think about it in hindsight. Right. 
took, took us about six months to complete our build out and get our doors open. And, you know, the rest kind of has been history at this point. Okay. So now you're opening up. What is the experience in managing a salon? Like you said, it was supposed to be passive income. Um, was it that? You said it wasn't. And what was that experience yeah. like, you know, once you open up, um, dealing with customers, marketing, um, dealing with your, your stylist? What was that whole experience about like? Well, you know, of course, when you're new to a business or um, any type of business venture, you're excited. So you're, you are just trying to find ways. You're, you're, the bulk of your focus is getting people through the door. And so um, thankfully, I had a marketing background. And so that helped me get a little creative with my marketing because... What did you honestly, do? Like, I know you build out your website. How did... What else did you do to get people in it? Because people overlook marketing when they open up a restaurant or any kind of business. You build it all. And like, now how are you going to get the people to comment? You know, what did you do? Oh, you know, let me throw a little bit of what you did. That was the funny part about it because I remember I told you that I was a blogger previously. So mm -hmm. I had, you know, this decent following of, you know, people and they were so excited and they were asking me you know constantly when are you going to get your salon open so i just knew based upon that following <laughs> yeah that you were going to get people in the door they're going to come right so then once i opened and i reached out to some of these people i reached out to some fellow bloggers and you know and while some of them were receptive and some of them were helping it just was not enough to get people through the door so that's kind of that's what i equate to the new age of social media you may have a ton of followers but that's not enough mm -hmm. and so um so again i opened up the doors with the whole idea like many other business you know businesses small businesses okay you open up the doors you make it pretty and they're gonna come well, you know, that turned into days upon days of just nothing in the salon. And I, I always make the joke, wasn't nothing in the salon moving except hairballs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you remember the Westerns? I don't know if you get yeah, right. yeah, I know exactly. Those Westerns, know. And then the tumbleweeds are going. Tumbleweeds, yeah, like, yeah, going across the screen, yeah. <laughs> Listen, that was my experience at times when I first opened. And so, you know, I had to just dig back in and say, hey, okay, well, this does not work. So how do I um, make this work? So you had to go out. I had to go out and attract customers, you know. So, of course, you can build a website, but how do you get traffic to your website? And mm -hmm. so... Everyone else, I started out with the Google ads and while that helps a little and that provides some traffic to your salon and I went out like everyone else and I would hand out flyers. Mm. Oh, I have an interesting story about that. So I would go out and I would hand out flyers to people and I would notice that I go out and do my hair, do my makeup, look good. And I'm like, dang, let me go hand out flyers in the mall every afternoon. By you yourself know, like, or... Um, yeah, mostly by myself. Sometimes I would go with uh, my staff, but they would be there working, you know, trying to catch anybody to walk through the door. Mm. And so it was mostly me. And then I realized, like, wait a minute, why aren't these people coming back in and say, oh, yeah, I saw you. You handed me a flyer. But most of the people were coming in telling me, oh, that someone else handed me a flyer and or your card. 
And that's how I got here. Your husband, who is bald. <laughs> husband, who is bald. So your husband was, was you know, grinding like you. Just... Right. So you're listening to a man that's bald. <laughs> right. But here I am out here in full right. attire giving you a card. And you're like, oh, no. Right. Wow. So then I, and then and the, I got people coming and say, oh, your, your daughter. My, my my nine-year-old daughter is you really taking the word of a nine-year-old to come in here to <laughs> right. so, then, so then I got smart I got clever I said okay well you know what I was just gonna you know be my own walking billboard and so I would go to the mall and people would come up to me and say hey who did your instead of me going to give them right, cards, right, right, right. come up to me who did your hair oh I went to this salon <laughs> oh you didn't tell them it was your salon huh <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> I still don't to this day. Wow. <laughs> it's very rare that I tell someone that it's my salon because I don't know. It's just a reverse psychology type. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Like see you and they like your hair and you tell them that you did your own hair. They look at it as if more so it, it takes away a little bit of the credibility because it makes right. it like, oh, you can do your own hair. But are you going to make my hair look this way? So I always just, you know, let them, I just give them a card. I give them a blank card and say, hey, I went here. And they, oh, wow. and I've had people show up and they see me like, I saw <laughs> <laughs> But if I would have told you, I, it was wow. my salon, you probably wouldn't have come back. So I learned that trick pretty um, early on. And so mm -hmm. that was awesome. Just getting, I realized the power of word of mouth is really what it balled down mm. to because you can go out and hand out cars all day, but it's word of mouth that other person vouching for you. That's more powerful. And so mm. that's when I started building up my referral program at my salon. And I gave my clients who referred other clients to me um, a reward for their efforts and getting clients through the door. So I used a reward program to recruit new clients um, then I moved on to around this time, I started getting heavy into the Facebook ads, Facebook, okay. Facebook ads were amazing at that time that really generated a lot of business into the salon. And, um, one crazy way I also got a lot of business is that I got a shout out on the Steve Harvey, um, okay. <laughs> the Steve Harvey show. Uh, morning show. And, um, listen, that was echoed from east coast to west coast i had people calling me so that was a huge jump wow. our salon it was just a little blurb of high texture salon in lawrenceville georgia and that was it and and I, wow probably three months my phone was ringing off the hook and um so that pretty much um so from um from opening up to to getting you know people in the door where it could sustain the salon how long did that take for me it was a little longer of a period of course I thought I was going to recoup my <laughs> my investment um but I did rec um, have a return on my investment probably in the second year okay and, um in the second year you know and like I said initially at first my goal was not to build a salon that was anywhere on a scale that I'm at now. And I'm still, in my opinion, um, I'm not where I could be, but for me, it was more about balance. And so I've always worked in my inside of my salon on a part-time basis. So mm. I know that if I dedicated 
full time and my full potential, my full focus, it, it could have been just amazing where wow. I, um, the potential of the salon. But um, so you build, you grow this salon working on a, you know, working part time and not full time. No, I don't work full time. So you were able to <laughs> have that down balance. Full time, but I, I, I only work inside of the salon four hours. After wow. four hours, I'm leaving. So what <laughs> was it? I mean, usually, you know, you know, entrepreneurs they have to like spend ridiculous hours, hands on you know, do everything like you said initially. So were you able to recruit an amazing staff that allows you to do this on a part-time basis? Absolutely. Now I do at the, at, at times, at times you, you know, and this is why I, it's important to have balance because at times you're going to be that person. I've been that person. It hasn't been every day since I started the salon. I'm out of there in four hours. Um, however, it's been times where I've been in there 12 hours or more, um, from morning to night in there seven days a week. I've had those times and those were the times that it made me fall out of love with Mm. my business because it was ruling my life and Mm. I, I, I was off balance. And so when I got through those times and it's been more than once when I've gotten through those times, I, I take a deep dive back into my business and then try to figure out how do I prevent this from happening? Right. Mm-hmm. Again, because, well, I mean, it's falling out of balance. You're, you're absolutely. Talking. You have to be as an entrepreneur, you have to be very intentional about balancing your life or else you would be that person just chasing success, chasing money, chasing growth. And then on the other hand, everything over here is falling apart. Right. So on top of that, you were, you know, you were homeschooling your kids. Like that's absolutely. not <laughs> not like you send them to school and you had your time. You were still hands-on homeschooling your kids. Absolutely. So I um, you know, so I had to be very intentional with my time and how I spread it and 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 all of that as well. I had to find a little bit of time for myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, so two years to get a returning investment and eventually your your salon became really successful and popular to a point where, you know, somebody some people thought they could replicate your formula. I heard a story about, you know, some former employees thought they could re- replicate their formula and you had to put the kibosh to that. <laughs> so I want you to tell that story in terms of, you know, what happened. Well, you know, it's funny. I've never talked about that outside of family circle. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I'm no, sorry. No, I don't mind. No, no, I don't mind talking about it at all because it's a very important lesson for entrepreneurs to mm-hmm. um, make sure that you have your business intact. And mm-hmm. when I say business intact, I, I mean your contracts intact. And so to prevent those types of things. And so thankfully in my situation. Contracts meaning non-competes and, you know, yes. similar things trademarks and trademarks non-compete so um what what happened is that 
Well, let me just say that is just this industry, you know, and the beauty industry is a industry built on a foundation of entrepreneurs. Does that make sense or creative? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not an industry where you can, or you should ever go into thinking, okay, I'm going to build this salon and I'm going to have all of these employees and they're going to come in and they're going to stay with me forever. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's just not how it works. It's, it's one of those industries where everyone, they, they come in and with the intention of learning from you so they can move on and do their own thing. If you keep mm-hmm. some, that's great, right? But the idea that these people are going to come and work for you with the same mindset that they have in corporate, where you go and work in corporate and you move up the corporate ladder, it just, um, I won't say that it doesn't exist in this industry. It's just rare when it Mm -hmm. does. So I knew that going into it. So that is why I had everyone to sign non-competes because I know uh, for a lot of people, that is the mindset. I'm going to go and I'm going to learn from this person. I'm going to learn how to run a business and then I'm going to go and open up my own. I'm going to build up my clientele and I'm going to go and open up my own. And um, so that's kind of what happened um, in that particular case. However, this person, and so I I have a radius in my Mm -hmm. mind that you cannot go across the street and take my clientele and open up your own and duplicate what I have here. And so that was very important because I had to challenge it in court. And it's, uh, of course, it held up in court. So I always advise, I don't care what industry you're in, if you have a business and you have a business idea and you want to um, control your competition as far as just being so close to you, especially people that you invest in, you invest in, you know, education for them, you invest in mentoring for them. You don't want that to become your competition. So it's kind of a way to push your competition out away from your business. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so I had to, I had to enact that. And thankfully I did have those um, contracts in place because if not, it was nothing that I could have done. At that point, mm. that once again, not cutting corners enabled you to, you know, <laughs> get over this hump and deal with this issue. Yeah. And, you know, and I've had people try it since then. And, um, you know, I, once you have those in place, you really don't really have a problem because legally, as long as your contracts are binding, and that's something I would also recommend for the, you know, have someone look over your contract. It, you know, it may cost mm-hmm. you a little bit of money, but it's worth it in the long end, you know, just the long run, just to make sure that your contracts are binding mm-hmm. um, to protect you. It's so, mm-hmm. it's so essential. And, mm-hmm. and the same thing for when you're operating your a business, I, I saw this the other day on Instagram where some, um, stylist was talking about chargebacks and clients coming in. <laughs> oh, trust me, they get all types of stuff. Some people will come in and get their hair done and then go home. And for if they don't like it or whatever reason, it's just, you know, they do a chargeback that has happened to me before. But when you have contracts in place, even with your clients that say, hey, you know, you agree to the terms of you know, my services, you prevent that as well. Mm-hmm. So definitely get your business in order. Wow. So do you, would you say you're a detail oriented person? 
There, I think so. I would say it, it doesn't feel that way sometimes for me because I would like to be more focused and I think that I can be more detailed oriented. But when I really reflect back and I'm like, wow, yeah, I do pay attention to details. Yeah, because I mean, you know, to from not knowing how to open up a business to where you are now in terms of being able to market, um, you know, hiring the right client, you know, right, you know, employees you have you cannot cut corners you have to work focus on the details in order to be successful listen that's one of the hats when you talk about um one of the many hats you have to wear as an entrepreneur one of that one of those is being an hr (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) rep because you really have to learn hiring practices you you have to learn how to add the right people to your team. You have to learn how to interview. You have to learn how to select the best candidates. Another mm. level to that is that you have to learn how to attract you right. know, the right candidates. And that's kind of where I'm at now. The level that I'm at is trying to learn how to attract those candidates to me. And so I that recently- you know, a successful business and a beautiful salon doesn't do that. No, absolutely not. I, you know, it's crazy. I just spoke about that in um, San Francisco (laughs) that, you know, it's funny that you say that because that's exactly what I thought at first. Like you, you open the doors, you make it beautiful. We pay so much attention to the details that are nice to have, but those details at the end of the day only play a small part in the bigger picture. Mm. When we go into business ownership especially for salons you more you know concerned about how it's going to look the aesthetics right because we are beauty professionals and we are looking at the aesthetics of it right but it's the details that makes everything run and so I, I, I spoke about that I said okay well I open up the doors I got this beautiful place and I'm getting people to the door I figured out how to get people to the salon you know but how do you keep them? You just, it's mm. more. It's so many levels to this. It's, it's more. Oh, I know. And I want to, I want to hear it all as, as you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you got to figure out how to keep them. You have to, and, and you can't just ignore them and take them for granted that, that they're coming through the door. You have to in, in create customer loyalty programs. You have to reward your customers for... Are there books that you read to figure this out or the stuff that you just, you know, figured out on your own over time through experience? Both, because I read a lot of books that are not related to this industry, and mm-hmm. I think, and I do a lot of research that's not related to this industry because what I've learned is that you you do have to look at trends inside of the industry, but I think you get your I at least for me speaking for myself I got think I got my biggest um, inspirations from companies that are not in this industry, and so I mm-hmm. look at these different industries and look at the trends. I was just speaking with my husband about this last night, that if you want to know how often you should change, look at your business model, every time Instagram changes their algorithm. Oh, wow. You need to read, you need to, you know, reassess your business. Mm-hmm. Every, every time you go, do you have a Chick-fil-A? Do you go to Chick-fil-A? Well, you're in up north. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we love Chick-fil-A. <laughs> if you notice, 
Chick-fil-A changes their drive-through line <laughs> every six months. Every time I go oh. to Chick-fil-A where I live, they change something to that drive-through process. I remember when I started going to Chick-fil-A, they had the, you know, the one little ordering podium. You roll up, you place your order. Then next thing you know, they had two of them. The next thing you know, they had the people outside. Then next thing you know, they right. had awnings right. with the heater. And you were, I remember looking at these people and I'm like, what gets these crazy people to stand out in this cold to take an order? You know, and then so they started adding the heaters and they added the permanent awnings. And so then the two lines became two lines all the way through the window. Every time you go to Chick-fil-A, they're changing something about their processing. And so you're so, always you're always changing your business. It's an ongoing thing. Ongoing. You cannot, if you keep the mindset that what you did yesterday is going to work today, then I think, sadly, that's probably why a lot of us go out of business. Mm. Wow. You know? So what are, what still you said you had to learn how to attract um you know, quality customers and quality, quality, you know, employees. What is that tool that you use to attract quality employees and customers? What is it that you learn to, um, that enable you to do that? Well, thing, maybe two, right, two things. Well, you have to put out there through your social media messages, through email and just, through your interaction, your everyday interactions and your, your culture, your culture within the salon, you have to create that culture that's going to attract those like-minded people. Do we always attract mm -hmm. people? Absolutely not. But more often than not, we do. And so I, I rely heavily in for to attract to attract um, my employees. I go to schools. I use social media as well so they can get a glimpse of my employees and see how we interact in the salon. And so that was something mm -hmm. that I learned about recently within the past year or so. It's that you want to showcase your employees and not only showcase their work, but you want to showcase their personalities. You want to showcase the culture within inside of your business because then it allows people to see how it actually feels. I want to be a part of that. That looks fun. That right. looks amazing. Exactly. That looks or dope. it's going to deter the ones who say, oh, I don't want to be in that environment. And so it works both ways. And so I learned that within the past year and is and believe it or not, the last two employees that I hired, they came to me from um one came to me off of a tiktok video that we did <laughs> oh wow really she said her mom saw a tiktok video that we did and forwarded it to her and she said i want to work at that place and then the second young lady it was the same thing she saw us on instagram and she said, I want to work at this place. And they reached out to me based upon that. I mean, I've, I, can, I have many stories about people finding us on social media, but those two in particular, they came based upon videos that, that they saw, not of our work, but of how we interacted culture. inside our culture. They saw our staff and we were dancing. And the other one was based upon a camp that we did. 
Don't tell me you do your own social media as well. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I told you that's one of the hats. Oh wow. Um, that's one of the hats. Yeah. I do mine. And you do your own Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and all that. Yeah. I do all of that. On I, top of that, homeschool your kids and yeah, you I know, just, find time for be a be a wife. Oh, that's so important to me. Yeah. I, also, my initial website, I just changed within the past month or two. I did my initial website. And so for this time around, I said, okay, I'm working on my 10th year anniversary. I went to an outside company, marketing company, and they designed my current website. But, uh, you know, but the person inside of me, I'm like, okay, well, the next go around, I'll just do my own again. <laughs> you oh, know, wow. I, I just, I don't know. I have, you know, I, I enjoy that. I actually enjoy mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. You I said you spent only four hours into the salon but it clearly takes more than four hours to kind of run business to do social media to do website update update um marketing outreach and, and so forth like in totality how much time during the day do you focus on your business i would probably say uh, six to eight hours every day so mm-hmm. i only been four hours inside of the salon and so the reason why I'm real intentional about spending four hours in the salon is that I know that after hours I have to do social media I have to answer client emails I know that I have to dedicate there's more time that I have to dedicate outside of the salon into my business so I I used to uh, go to the salon and work eight hours, (laughs) I would go Mm. and leave eight or nine o'clock at night and still have to come home and do reports and do social media and all of those things. And that's where I was in that burnout phase. Mm. I was in that burnout phase. And so when after, um, after COVID, that was a pivotal point for me. After COVID, I said, hey, I'm done with all of that. You're getting four hours of my time and that is it. So when I go in um, into the salon, I try to keep my focus on just what's going on in the salon. I don't really go in. If I can do other things like answer emails and and things like that, that's a plus. But I really just go in to, you know, check on my staff, make sure everything that they need uh, we have just you know see how to check on day-to-day operations listen to them meet with them that's pretty much what I dedicate those four hours to if I need to call any clients or anything like that I do it um, during that time but it's at home where everything else goes down and so when I say um, I only dedicate four hours in the salon that is why because I know that in order to create that balance in my life I need to reserve a little bit more flexibility in my schedules so that when I go home at night, I can still work a little bit, but I also have my family time and I also have my time to work with my kids for their school and homework. Wow. How do you, how are you able, I know balance has been the focal point of this conversation. How are you able to really, and I'm asking for self, <laughs> you know, dedicate, you know, the amount of time to family, but you also need to carve out time to do these little but tedious um, things such as social media and other things pertaining to your business. How are you able to carve out that time? You know, when do you do that? 
you know, because I'm like, okay, you got sleep, <laughs> then you got to wake up and, you know, do, you know, deal with your kids in terms of homeschooling and four hours to the salon itself. How do you, there's not enough hours in a day. How do you do that? I, yes, it is. It, there are, because you have 24 hours in a day and you only need to sleep eight of them. And I try to make sure I sleep eight of them. And, okay. Yeah. And so during other times when I, and it's a balance because I'm still balancing that out. You know, when I, I, I realized that I had to turn my time on social media from a consumer to a producer. So mm. that, that helped a lot because when you're when you get on social media, sometimes you it's a rabbit hole. You be on that. Yeah, thing. you start um, looking at different pages, and they say, you know, hours and hours is gone, and you're like, what did you do? And that is hours you can do. You can focus on your business. So, but I I try to split my time, and so you get my I get my four hours in the salon. I get. I do. Um, I try, and that's the struggle of being consistent. I try to at least give myself an hour of self care, and that may be exercising, that may be doing mm-hmm. my hair, whatever it may be. And then I have, of course, of course, my five hours I spend with my children homeschooling, and that's time is dedicated to them. And usually before I go to bed, my husband and I we probably do about 30, 45 minutes of work answering emails or whatever it may be. But then after that, we're like, okay, it's time to watch Family Feud. And we say that Family Feud is on and everything else is pretty much stopping at that point. So, and Mm. then as far as my personal balance with my, you know, being a wife, my husband and I, we, we've always been pretty we're both entrepreneurs first of all Mm -hmm. so we both have a lot of flexibility so we're around each other all the time he takes Mm -hmm. me to work pretty much every day and and the reason why he does that i can drive he does it because so that we get that alone time time with you right we well it's not alone we usually have kids in the back but it's that time that we spend together because if we were to separate in the morning and we're gone all day and all you know we wouldn't have that time together and i think that has been very key for us is getting that time in even when it's kind of just not like a traditional date time or mm. you know we are getting time in wherever we can and it's kind of how we operate our businesses as well. You know, some days I'm riding down the road answering emails for him. And some days he's running to salon centric, picking up supplies mm-hmm. for me. So we just make sure that we are taking care of each other to make sure that we're helping each other out because we're both, mm. we're both very busy, very busy. Teamwork make the dream work. Absolutely. And then uh, another element of it is that we, started this a couple of years ago every friday night everything stops mm. every okay. friday night that's our date night and you know it's every rare. friday night every friday night so that that is rare that so after we, the kids and, and 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 you know you know we where we they have, go we have three adults so <laughs> oh oh now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, yeah this is now this is not a uh this is not when they were younger. So, but this is a lesson I wish I knew when they were younger to be more intentional with that time for each other, that time spent mm-hmm. with each other. So, but now every Friday night, you will find us at our favorite spot. You know, that's what we do because hanging out, 
doing drinks, hanging cocktails. out, drinking cocktails, dinner, uh, movies. Sometimes we just come home and watch Netflix and chill just, you know, on the sofa and have our favorite drink and, and just relax and unwind from the week. And typically mm-hmm. that's how I, my staff knows my Friday night plan. So they don't bother me on Friday night. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. So just Friday nights, um, then the weekend back to business or, you know, because I know salons are, you know, more like a weekend. That's where you get all, all your business, mostly yeah. business. So, yeah, we work on weekends. We both work on weekends. Uh, yeah, we do. It, it, it never ends, really. I, you know, it's 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 a lot of flexibility being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I think that people are surprised when they realize how much work you actually have to do. So that is why I say, and what I've learned is that you have to just be very balanced and you have to make sure that, okay, you know, I can't get too caught up in my work because I also have a family life Mm -hmm. and I have, you know, I'm also, I need a personal life. What about me? You need a a self-care routine. Because mm-hmm. you always have to take care of yourself. Because if you're not healthy, what's the purpose of all of this? Mm-hmm. And um, I love- okay, I was just going to say COVID. Listen, for me, that two months I was home for COVID was a serious time because it made me really reflect on what my idea of success was. And, mm-hmm. um, and I realized that I needed to stop living my idea. Uh, well, I didn't realize that I was doing it at the time, but once I was able to sit back and look at my life, I realized that I was, my idea of success was not what everyone else's idea of success was. And I needed to not focus on what the traditional sense of success was. I needed to focus on what is my idea of success. And I realized at that point, I'm like, wow, I'm very successful. (laughs) What mm. am I doing? What, what is your idea of success? Just to, you know, having been a little bit, being fulfilled. And to me, success is not just having a, you know, a great career or a great business or, or having a lot of money. It's about being fulfilled because you can have mm. all of those things and you can be the most unhappiest person. And that's not success. And that COVID, that time when we were shut down, made me realize that because prior to that, I had two locations and I was that person who was just on the outside. I was very successful. Here I am. I have homeschooling. I got two locations on two opposite sides of the you know, the spectrum and of Atlanta (laughs) and everyone knows like Atlanta from one side to the other is like ours. So, um, yeah, it was a lot. And so on the outside, you know, people were coming up to me and I was winning awards and being recognized and people were telling me how proud they were. And every time someone said, I'm proud of you, I cringed Mm. on the side. You are, you are unhappy, even though you had a successful business. I had a successful business. I had a successful marriage. I had a successful home life. When you really look at it, 
And but at the, on the inside, I was falling apart because I was trying to live up to what everyone else's idea of success was. And it really wasn't success for me because I wasn't happy and I wasn't fulfilled. And so that is when I started to realize like, OK, well, you know what? Yes, I know what my potential in my business could be. You know, and I have to get a little bit more creative about it. But do I want to take away from these other areas of my life, right? Mm. To create that, and there, and in order to do that, there are some elements that you do have to sacrifice in order to go that way. But did that feel was that success for me? And then I realized that it wasn't. You know, because when I had that time home during COVID to reset. I honestly went weeks up until I reopened. I don't even want to say this out loud, but up until the time I reopened, I wasn't going to open up any of my salons. I was done. I said, you know. Oh, wow. Well, you were burnout out. And- I love being home. I was reengaged with my family. I was baking, doing the things that I like to do. You saw, I, you never remember, I put up my Christmas tree. You're like, already? I'm like, this is, these are the things that I love <laughs> right. to do. So I was doing all of the things that I love to do. And I realized like, I'm really, really missing this. And mm. so I kept just throwing out the idea with my family. I said, you know, I think I'm going to stay home. I don't know if I'm going back and maybe I'll still <laughs> And they were like, yes, do it, do it. Oh, wow. You know, so, um, but I knew that at the end of the day, that wasn't going to be the answer for me. So, um, however, I did step back and I only reopened one salon after COVID. Mm. And um, let me tell you, that was the best thing in my life because I found that, you know, just slowing down a little bit and being able to smell the flowers has allowed me to re-engage in my current business. It allowed me to re-engage in my home life and it allows me to re-engage in my marriage. Right. Well, you know what? The key focus, you know, during our conversation has been balance. And I think that's what success means to you because, you know, balance is, you're not chasing money, you're chasing balance. And mm-hmm. because of that, you were able to, like you said, slow down, close one store and refocus on your, you know, your main store. And now, and eventually you found that balance to do your business, to do your family life, to have self-care life. So this is conversation has been amazing because I feel like being an entrepreneur, people are always like, oh, I'm chasing money. I'm chasing, you know, notoriety, but you were like, no, it's all about balance for you. Absolutely. And the craziest thing is that for me, when I've slowed down and I'm re-engaging into my business, all of those other things come along with it. You know, eventually that, that money comes, you know, and, so you just need to understand your path of how you're going to get there. And sometimes getting there the, the fast way is not always the sustainable way and that mm-hmm. you, you, it eventually comes. And so w- without you even trying too hard, and th- that's the mm. point I'm to make because I've, it's since you I just re- stay true to you and you be authentically yourself and, you, you're honest with yourself and then all these things fall into place. That's what I'm hearing from, you know, what you're saying. 
Absolutely. And, and I, and I advise that for anyone because I, I see too many entrepreneurs suffering from exhaustion. I've had Mm -hmm. employees, former employees where, you know, same thing, they are, they end up breaking, you know, Mm -hmm. It's not easy being an entrepreneurship, an entrepreneur, because you really have to figure out what works for you. And the way you see other people operating their businesses, it may not be your way. So you just Mm. really be able to focus on your grass and figure out your way and what works for you. And I think that's one of the most important you know, lessons I like to help people understand is that my way is not necessarily going to be your way. You know, you Mm. have to find what works for you because at the end of the day, you know, you have to be happy in what you're doing. Because if you're not happy, you're going to give up and you're going Mm. to give up thinking that it didn't work. Well, it didn't, it didn't work because you weren't fulfilling yourself in the process. So you have to Mm. really understand like how am I going to be happy through this process if working Mm. 12 hours a day seven days a week going to make me feel fulfilled it's going to make my staff happy it may make my customers happy but is it making me happy right Mm. so how can you balance that out so that you can have a little bit of your you need me time you need family time you need outside family time (laughs) you need right you know you need your you know your your time to you know, get your spirituality in, whether it's your, your church, your religion, you need a, you need a, 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 a complete chart. If, if that makes mm. sense, a pie chart. And if you are looking at those different areas and you're out of balance, find a way to create that balance. So that chart can be, it's like a will. Does that make sense? Right. And yeah. if your will is off balance, you're going to go like this. It's not going to go. But if you try to find a way to keep that wheel balance is going to roll. It sounds like you're being intentional in everything you do in order to keep that balance. Am I correct? And it's I, an ongoing thing. It's ongoing. You just, you never stop. And when I listen to some, you know, other salon owners who they may have given up or they may be at their wits end, because that's another element of it as well. I've started mentoring other salon owners and um when i hear them you know and that some of their frustrations uh you know owning a salon or just different business owners i always say listen you have you have to really look take a holistic view of your life at different times Mm. not once it's not just in the beginning you have to look at it every time you feel like you're getting ready to you know, explode or, or, or break or is getting frustrated, frustrating, or you're ready to give up, step back, take a look at your business. What can you do differently? Re-engage. And, and mm. many times you're going to find a way to find that just little bit of hope and that little bit of um, determination to go forward. But if you don't step back, sometimes it's, it's impossible to keep going forward because you're just mm. gonna continue to hit that wall. Mm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you do the same thing the same way, expecting different results, that's, <laughs> you know, it, that's, that's, a, um, that's very important what you said, because I think a lot of people like, Oh my God, I'm not successful. 
I need to go harder. I need to put more time. And you're saying not necessarily, you know, sometimes you need to fall back a little bit and look at a holistic view and uh, on everything that you're doing, not only your business, but your personal life and so forth. Absolutely. Because some, you know, like I said, you know, you just need to define, really get real with what, what, what is your definition of success? Not what everyone else's definition mm. of success, because right. at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And if you're successful on the outside, you know, in your business or in one area of your life, because you can be completely successful, you know, as a mom, mm-hmm. completely successful as a wife, mm-hmm. you can be completely successful as a business owner. You know, mm-hmm. you just need to decide what's important to you, you know, and what makes your will whole and, and makes it go. And for me, um, it was a balance of those three things because I knew that I wanted to be a successful, I wanted to have it all, if that makes sense. I wanted mm-hmm. to be a successful wife. I want to be a successful mom and I want to be a successful business owner. And so you just need to define what that success looks like for you because not mm. it, it doesn't always entail making $50 million a year. You know, sometimes it just entails making, being successful, making some money, paying your bills, being able to go on vacation when you want to, you know, mm-hmm. what does that look like for you being able to, you know, pay your bills and, 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 and go out on weekends. If that's mm. what you, that's what you want then you need to, you know, align, you know, your, your actions with that because mm-hmm. at the, end of the day that's, that's, what's going to make you happy. And that's, what's going to make you fine. It's going to, I guess, give you more passion to go forward. And then you won't be burned, wow. burned out and overwhelmed. Like I have in many of my years owning a salon, you know, you would say to me, Oh, how's everything going at the salon? And I'm like, Right, right, right. You know, it's going good. And because it's all about perspective. And if you continue to say and continue down that road of feeling overwhelmed, you're going to get that feeling every Mm. time I ask you, how's it going? You're going to feel you're not going to have that great feeling about it. But it's all about perspective. You know, Mm -hmm. what does that mean to you? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what it what it looks like to everyone else mm-hmm. how do you keep your focus to to you know on family on on your business and on me time because focus is a major part of you know keeping that balance how do you stay focused oh i mean ooh, i don't know <laughs> i don't think i have more room to not stay focused i don't really have you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge. And like I said, I hate to overuse the word, but you just got to be very, very, you know, just, you got to stick to a schedule if that makes sense. And yeah, I, I don't realize, I didn't realize that I had a schedule until now I'm really talking about it. I do. When you think about it, I do have a schedule. Mm-hmm. You just have to, you know, dedicate certain times to certain areas because then when I talk about that fulfillment, you start to feel fulfilled. And I don't know if it's like that for, for you or whoever's watching this, but when you set out in the morning, you need to have a set of goals that you want to accomplish for the day. Mm-hmm. And I don't accomplish all my goals in a day, but 
if you accomplish some of those goals, you're going to feel good. Mm. But if you accomplish none of those goals, you're not going to feel good. And so Mm. you want to make sure that, okay, my goal is to, for my goal may be today. Well, my goal is to pack today. (laughs) 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 But but whatever your goal may be in every area, like my goal may be to go and, you know, get so supplies for the salon. I need to have a new hire starting. So I need to make sure that, you know, that's set up. I need to, you know, spend a little time with my husband. You know, I need to work on mm. this with Liam. I need to finish my, you know, holiday shopping. Those are examples of goals you want to make. Sh- for me, that's how I do it. That's how I stay focused. Just know hey, your goals, goals don't have to be these grandiosious, you know, heights where, you know, sometimes it's become so overwhelming. You don't, you don't, you don't meet you don't oh, reach them. Absolutely. If you listen, that is the setup right there. Your goals for me. I mean, I can't speak for anyone else, but my goals. Listen, they are minor goals because if you set your goals too high and you're sitting up there today talking about how I'm going to reach this amount of revenue by mm-hmm. the end of the month, listen, you 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 are set you're gonna stress yourself out for no reason. Your goals should be very um small and and so that they are easily more easily attainable because it's a a psychological effect to that. Right. So if Mm -hmm. you are working on these big grand goals and you don't meet them, you're just focused on your failure. Mm. I get it. And so now your focus is all on failure because now you feel bad because you didn't make this goal or, you know, if I'm focusing on, okay, well this month I need this amount of revenue and I'm looking at the end of the month revenue or the end of the year revenue, right? Cause we had in, we in fourth quarter. Trust me, I'm a little stressed about that too. But anyway, <laughs> um, you, you, you're setting your goals and you're working. Don't, don't, don't focus on that. Focus on today goals. What are you trying to do mm. today revenue wise? And once you hit that, you should feel good. What are you, you know, mm. if you, if you just need to go pick up your clothes from the cleaners, reward yourself, feel good about that because that's the goal. You cannot sit around. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. If you sit around and think about just high level goals all the time, because of mm. course we all want, you know, to be running around here making millions of dollars every year, but uh, <laughs> trust me, you will lose your mind. Um, and you, you won't have that, you know, fulfillment and happiness that, oh, oh, there we go. You won't have that fulfillment and happiness that you need. So I, I definitely advise make small attainable goals to keep yourself motivated, to keep going and, and know that because success doesn't always have to be big. Success is a, is a, is a buildup. Does that make sense? Mm, um, it's, yeah. it's accomplishing small goals you know or small successes that leads up to your bigger success right now of course we have those unicorns out there and i'm not saying that it doesn't exist um but uh, for many of us we have to figure out how to balance it you know you have those unicorns you know you hear about the guy the tiktok guy who make all these millions of dollars doing tiktok yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and you know and and you hear about these things and you know i'm glad you, you 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 share that cheat code 
cheat code and hack in terms of how do you set your goals and what do you consider successful? Because people are like, oh, I want to be like that unicorn. And he's a unicorn for a reason. He's one of one. <laughs> and it doesn't happen like that to everyday entrepreneurs and everyday people, you know, striving for success. So I'm glad you shared that hack, you know, in terms of how do you set your goals and, and how do you measure success? You, you have to, you know, and I think more people should understand that because we think that um, success is only um, when you're the Beyonce of the crowd, right? And that's not true. And if you are always measuring yourself to that, or these TikTokers who, or, or YouTube or whatever areas, different areas of um, industries where you see these unicorns and they do exist and it's possible. It is very possible. We know, we learn this every day that it's possible. Right. You know, so, but if you just set that as your measurement, mm. right, for success, then you, everything that you do is, is not going to feel like success. Mm. It's going to always you know, run around here chasing success, not even realizing it that at the time that you're successful, you know, right. because, and that's what I mean about fulfillment because you never feel fulfilled. And so mm. it took me a long time to get to that point because I was constantly, you know, comparing mm. myself, you know, to other entrepreneurs out there, you know, what, what, right. how, how can I get on that level? And, you know, to a certain extent, you, yeah, you got to have that competition, got to have that friendly competition. You got to have those goals, but at the same time, you have to stop where you are sometime and appreciate yourself and mm. appreciate the successes that you have. And so I, I that's why I said you want to make small benchmarks for you, where you measure your success, because then it will allow you then to appreciate where you are and what you've accomplished. Right. So that, right. that makes you to go further. And that, instead right. of giving, you know, cause I think we give, it's a lot of, it's a lot of giving up. You know, I have, like I mentioned, I have adults. So I have two daughters who are entrepreneurs now. And um, I guess they've been inspired by me. I'm like, oh. of course, <laughs> you're the blueprint. They see how you're doing it. And that's so, that's so important. And it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because we as, you know, black people, <laughs> we always think there's a traditional way is the only way to go and live your life, you know, get it, you know, get a career that's, you know, that's, that's secure, whether it be a lawyer, doctor, whatever, something that's stable. And we waste our talents and our purpose chasing that I'm not saying everyone is like that, but there's a lot of us who are like that, who was, you know, taught to do certain things, but that's not who you really are. And I want people to hear your story and inspired by your story and your journey so they could see themselves in you. And they're like, you know what? This is why I'm unhappy. This is why I'm not fulfilled. This is why I don't have balance. So that's one of the major reasons why I started this podcast. So thank you for sharing this journey and so many gems during this conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm glad you have this podcast. And I think that we need more of this information to be shared. So mm. 
when uh, we talked about me coming on, I'm like, yeah, I think I have some stuff to talk about because <laughs> some, I, oh my God, you have a book. You probably have two books. If I have not more. lot on this journey. And, um, I, I do want other women to know what I've learned. And I think it's not enough of that going around. It's too much of the, the glitz and glam and not enough of the, the struggle of it because mm. if you're only seeing the beauty of it, you're not actually seeing the hard work that goes into it. So when you're experiencing the hard work, it's easier to get distracted and feel like you're not winning or not getting ahead mm. because you are just focusing on the beauty of it. And there's beauty, believe it or not, in the grind is beauty mm. and struggle of it because that's what in the struggle that should be the name of your book listen beauty you know, in think, the struggle. let me keep that one because <laughs> you know what because there, there's beauty in it and um it's it's really all about perspective because mm. you can have it all you 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 can have it all you can have balance you don't have to sacrifice one for the other and right. um and mentioning corporate, though, I ha I always tell people I have a, a different perspective about corporate, too, because I'm actually pro-corporate to a certain extent. I always tell mm -hmm. people you need to go into corporate. You need to go into corporate be before you become an entrepreneur. And the reason why I say that is that you need to learn structure. You need to know the mm, importance of all of those elements incorporated into your business and i think my corporate background is what helps me in this business because i know mm. the importance of all those different compartments i know hr mm. about customer service marketing you know and um i know how, oh i even janitorial <laughs> oh right 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 so you learn so much in order to be an entrepreneur, being in corporate America. I could attest to that because um, in corporate America, I was an accountant and I'm in my spirit. I'm a creative. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I like getting my hands dirty. And one thing I, I did was like, okay, I don't have to worry about being an accountant anymore, which was a big mistake because at the end of the day, you know, those aspects, you cannot run away from it. And you yeah. got to, you know, you got to do things you don't love, you know, in order to be successful. And that's one thing I've learned, you know. Did you also learn that doing the things that you thought you didn't love, you actually, you reignite with the passion of doing it? Because I, I hated um, doing sales and I, mm -hmm. I didn't, well, I love marketing. I just didn't like doing sales and I didn't like having to give my elevator pitch and I didn't like mm. getting in front of crowds and speaking and you know and as an entrepreneur you have to do those things so you it's no mm -hmm. such thing oh that was me I, I don't want to be in front of the scene I don't want to talk to people you know but at some point you have to so all those mm -hmm. things that you thought you didn't enjoy in corporate doing you they come full circle as an entrepreneur and so you reignite with it and and you're like wait a minute I hated this, but now I love right. it. You know, you reignite right. that passion. And um, same thing for, you know, with me with insurance, because, you know, I, um, I actually did love doing underwriting and, um, but I'm a creative as well. So it was at the time it felt redundant, but now I'm using those same, 
you know, um, skill sets in my day to day operations of my business. And um, so I'm like, wait a minute, you know, you, you so you need it. I think you need both. I, I feel that mm. all entrepreneurs, if it's McDonald's, you need to go into a corporate structure. I don't care. Right. What you need I mean, listen, I, I could, uh, you know, sometimes you feel like, you know, you think you run away from something, but you're running right into it when you become an entrepreneur. Um, so, you know, like you said, you know, you, you work harder and longer as an entrepreneur than a nine to five. And this is what this conversation is, is about, having a real um, look and insight in terms of what it takes. And, you know, that's to me, you know, that's invaluable, you know, not showing the success, but showing the struggle as well. Mm-hmm. Beauty in the struggle. <laughs> I listen, I like that. I, I'm going to take it. <laughs> take it. I, I, you know, Sometimes beauty in the struggle. I think it ties in with your brand and ties in with your business and it ties in with your journey. So, yeah. you know, okay. anyway, let's wrap up. I mean, oh my God, we could go on and on. We've been on this conversation for almost an hour and a half now. Oh, wow. So, I'm not going to say, you know, share any additional gems uh, because you share so many. Um, already what i want to ask is like how could people find you the individual find you the business and so forth how do kids like get in contact with you and in terms of your business well i'm on social media of course i'm on instagram Um, my personal instagram is india.burton and my business, High Texture Salon, we're on the web, we're all over. And that is H-I as in high, hello. So High Texture here on Instagram. That's where you can find my business. Um, if anyone is interested in mentoring, um, mentorship, certainly um, you can hit me up on either one. That would be great. Um, but yeah, do you do so public speaking as well? I do. Um, that That is one of those journeys that I talked about that you didn't think that I, I never thought I would go in um, those directions because I, I, I hate talking. I mean, I love talking to people, but I hate getting in front of crowds and um, well, I thought I did and speaking. And so I was invited um, last year to go. Well, I've been invited plenty of times. First of all, let me say that. And I did. De- I declined respectfully each time because I said, okay, that's not what I want to do. So last year I had this opportunity to actually, it, it happened this year. I had this opportunity to speak in Nashville at one of our industry events called data driven summit. And I was an opportunity that I couldn't say no to, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No was not an option. And so, um, I, I did it and it was, it was one of those, pivotal times in my career that I just said, Hey, wait a minute. I like this. And so, you know, as when you're venturing into a a new level of your career, of course it's, it's scary. But when I got off that stage, matter of fact, before I went onto that stage, I had a fellow salon owner who I never met ever before came up to me and it's four o'clock in the afternoon, mind you on the last day, of the event and it was a three-day event two day two three-day event but I was the last set on a panel and she said I stayed just wow. to hear speak and wow. I said, me? so then I made wow. me more nervous and so I got off the stage 
And those two sisters, okay, um, they were from different states, were the first to greet me when I got off that stage. And they mm. just told me what an inspiration I was and hearing my story. And um, yeah, that, that's kind of how that started. And then so- Well, listen, there are people who doesn't do nearly as half of what you do telling your story and they're successful at it. So you should, you know, embrace the fear and, and, and follow your purpose and your calling, you know? I think, I, I think that's, what I, that's where I'm going with that. I, I, you know, since then I've been across country, I've been to San Francisco recently speaking and I um, have an engagement to um, go to Canada or invitation wow. to go to Canada. Okay speak at a beauty school so we, we'll see how that goes i don't know i don't All know right. well ladies <laughs> and gentlemen you know big things are going for miss india burton um she just mentioned how you could find her and support her journey and support her business uh i just want to thank you india for sharing so many gems during our conversation and hopefully you enjoyed it as much as i, I enjoyed I hearing did. you thank you i did thank you again all right. Thank you. Finally, right? <laughs> well, listen, if we don't wrap it up, my lawn people are going to wrap it up for us. I don't know if you can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's great speaking with you. And, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. All right. Thank you, Miss India Burton, uh, founder of High Texture Beauty Salon, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks a lot. And have a, thank you for listening. Have a good one. You Bye-bye. too. Bye. What up, what up, what up? Thank you for listening to another episode of Reverse Ambition. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and got some inspiring nuggets. Before you go, please remember to subscribe so you can be alerted when the next episode is dropped. You don't want to miss out. And remember, it's never too late to leap to follow your dreams or your passion. Always leap back. Live your life with no regrets. Until next time. My name is Kelsey Cooper, a.k.a. The Social Broker. Peace out.